that might mean understanding what are your boundaries like are you going to work until midnight every night are you going to accept emails at 1am in the morning and then reply to them are you going to be the person that just does everything that is asked of them or are there certain things which you will not do coach rob newson is one of the most interesting coaches that i've come across in the last 10 years it's his ideas on holistic development the spirituality of the game the mindfulness the mind-body practices that, in my opinion, really set him apart. If you'd like to connect with Coach Rob, I've linked all of his links in the description from his Instagram to his website. Coach Rob, if you're listening, thanks for taking the time to do this. I feel like a lot of coaches are going to get a lot of value out of this. For everybody else, thanks for listening. Enjoy. There's a lot of people starting to make a shift where they're breaking away from coaching with teams and they're trying to do their own thing. I'm just curious why you decided that, all right, this is the time that maybe I'm gonna break away from working for a club and just do my own thing. So there is a number of reasons for that. I mean, one is uh, I've been employed most of my professional life and I've usually had a hard time with it. You know, I've, I've got quite a creative drive and I'm quite, I'm quite a good leader. You know, I'm very good at not necessarily uh, coming up with the ideas that we're going to pursue, but building uh, structures, building organization, bringing people in and leading by example. Like I'm, I've got leadership characters within me. So I've sometimes had a hard time with leadership, uh, employing me to do certain tasks and kind of staying on task. I want to be involved in a lot of different things. And, you know, I'm coming at the age now where uh, I just feel like a strong a strong impulse to see if I can create something which which I could call mine and whether I end up you know back in coaching teams you know just as a job or not I think now is the time where I have an opportunity to to go and see if I could actually do that I don't I don't want to leave team coaching at all like I'm still going to do that I think that's very important because I'm a basketball coach I'm not a skills trainer I'm not like a I'm, I'm not going to create everything in my business just related to coaching kids one-on-one I'm a basketball coach and and I believe that coaching includes many different areas but always within you know what is the team trying to do in that particular season and so I never want to lose that um, but the the big kind of probably the big thing for me is in especially in England uh, there seems to be a narrative that if you want to be a basketball coach you have to be poor and work 70 hours a week and I'm not about that anymore. You know, I've got two little kids that I want to spend time with. And, and I just think that the culture is somewhat strange in that sense that you, our, our time can be, can be valued. We can offer a lot of value and there's no shame in taking care of yourself. So it, it shouldn't be that the coaches that are leading the, the, the young athletes or the other coaches are burning themselves out um, because they're working so many hours on the court all the time, planning, doing all these things and not taking care of themselves. I mean, ultimately, probably a lot of my, my mindfulness and meditation and kind of breathwork uh, things that I've been getting involved in over the last few years have allowed me to realize that if I don't take care of myself, then I can't take care of anybody else. So um, that has to be number one. And so that's what I'm trying to do is figure out a way to take care of myself to be involved in the projects and the, the work that I love to do and um, be paid properly for it so that I can, um, you know, have money to, to do whatever it is that I need to do and, 
and not have to work, you know, uh, too many hours in the day to, to get that. Yeah, I'm so happy you mentioned the mindfulness of the meditation because I wanted to ask you about that. What turned you on to spirituality or mindfulness, the mind-body practices? When and why did that start? I was brought to it about 13 years ago, I think it is now, uh, in Iceland from one person I would consider over everybody to be a mentor ever since I met him was Brynja Karl in Iceland. I was coaching in, uh, in FSU in Iceland in a tiny little town from under a pretty, you know, still to this day, a very uh, crazy, in, in inverted commas, person in Iceland. He's a very polarizing figure. Uh, and you either love him or you hate him. But, you know, when you get inside of what's happening around him, uh, I think you can only you can only really see truth and depth. And he brought me to some of those practices in 2009 when I coached there. But I wasn't really I wasn't really paying attention and I wasn't really ready. So I saw I saw him meditating. I, we talked about it. He he brought me to some literature around finding meaning in your life. He suggested me to read Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, uh, which is a book which, you know, I think every man should read, let alone every person, just to get an understanding of, of his ideas of how to find meaning in your life and, and through the experiences that he had. So I was brought to it with, in that moment, but then I don't think I really connected with any of it at that time. I don't think I was quite ready. So a few years later, I moved, moved to Asia was living in Vietnam. Again, it's not really like any kind of, I was, I was, I started to look a little bit at Eastern Buddhism when I was in Vietnam, just through my own personal interest in spiritual practices, as I, you know, spent my own time off in Asia by myself, you know, looking at things to do. There's a lot of um, Buddhist temples in, in Vietnam and, and that may have sparked my interest in understanding a little bit about the religion. And then my friend Sam Mead, uh, who is an artist, is, is a spiritual person. Uh, he, we connected and we talked a little bit about this and, and, and he brought me to somebody called Wim Hof. You may know he is like uh, one of the leaders in the world at the moment in, in breathwork practices and, and, I, and, and cold therapy so I started to get, started to look at what he was doing, started to experiment with that kind of stuff. And Wim somehow uh, three or four years ago, just really, I really connected with that. And then finally, the, the final straw was Sam sent me a book called The Autobiography of a Yogi. And I, when I read that, then things really started to change for me. It was about three years ago. Um, that's uh, Paramahansa Yogananda um, wrote that about his spiritual journey from from east from India to the west and yeah and then and then then if you read that book uh, you're either going to completely dismiss it or you're going to start to see that there is more to life than things that are on the surface so that's where I really started to get into mindfulness to meditation and breathing practices as a way of deepening my connection with myself and the people around me and and, and life itself, I suppose. Do you think everybody should meditate? Well, I think I should meditate more than I do. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, it's from what I understand about meditation and, and mindfulness is, is that it, it, it's a way of bringing you back to accessing the here and now. So everybody, I think, should try to experience the here and now. You know, a lot, a, a lot of our life is spent thinking about the past and what happened and then what's going to happen later and you know what we're going to do 
and we're, we're usually caught between the two either in thoughts of regret or anger or, or some kind of emotion about things that have either happened a long time ago or just now and then you know how I'm going to re you know get back at that person or what I'm going to do later or how I'm going to plan my life out and these kind of things I don't think we spend a lot of time accessing the moment it's really hard because it it, it requires you to be very still and not get too attached to to the thoughts that come into your mind um, and they do come you know thick and fast and with our technology culture there is a lot kind of going for our attention you know there is a lot of shiny objects that demand attention and they take you to the past and the future and other places that other people are doing great things so it's very difficult to stay present and be open to to possibility so meditation is a way to start to recognize that that is possible that you could actually that there is kind of magic in the moment and the things that you've always done the person that you've always been and the experiences that you've always have don't necessarily need to be the way that you will go forwards so again meditation is maybe a gateway to first of all recognizing that so should everybody meditate i don't know i mean uh, I, I can't speak for everybody um, but i know that when i meditate and I look at it as a way of improving my life, it always does. It always does every single time. And um, it is never something where, you know, if you spend 20 minutes on your phone, I might go, damn, I just spent 20 minutes on my phone going through Instagram and scrolling and I catch myself. It's never the case with meditation. You know, you always feel refreshed and um, uh, more alive and calmer and more still so um, you know if, if people want to meditate more because those are the benefits then definitely um, it's a it's a good idea if you have to give some advice for some young coaches in balancing you know ambition and drive uh, to succeed with the presence of being in the here and now what would your advice be I just finished a book by Phil Jackson called 11 Rings where he talks about all of the championships that he was involved in. And one of the things he comes back to over and over again in the book is a Buddhist saying about uh, enlightenment. So in Buddhism, Buddhists say that life is suffering. And uh, if you can reach enlightenment, then you can transcend all of the suffering in your life because you realize that you made it all by yourself. And, you know, it's obviously much, much deeper than that. But to kind of summarize a little bit the point of sitting in meditation and, and realizing that you cause yourself a lot of suffering, it can be very, very helpful. So one of the sayings that he repeated over and over again in the book, he found very useful. And I think might apply here to some people, young coaches that are, you know, ambitious and they want to try to, you know, get to the top and, you know, really coach in the championship games and be at the highest level. Uh, the saying goes like this, before enlightenment, before you reach enlightenment, you must chop wood and carry water. Once you've reached enlightenment, you must chop wood and carry water. So for me as a coach, you know, that's a reminder that there are, there are things as a coach that I need to do. You know, I need to be consistent. I need to make my plan. I need to uh, try to connect with my athletes. I need to be there to help them uh, be, you know, the best version of themselves or to reach their potential as athletes and do that within a group dynamic so that our team can can perform well at the right moments. Um, but I, I don't control a lot of actually, you know, how they do and how we end up 
competing or not. Like it's not something which I have total control over. And if we do get to the top, you know, I'll have been a part of that. So, you know, as a young coach, you will have been a part of that. But after you get to the top, you know, there's going to be an off season and then a preseason and then a season and nothing will have changed. You know, you'll just be trying to do it again and it will probably be harder. So all of that work is always there. And all of that, that work is, is necessary. It's enjoyable. It should be enjoyable. Um, and, it could, and it should be something which you constantly work on. Um, and so the nuts and bolts of coaching will always remain. And uh, if you want to win, then that's great. But also remember that you have responsibility to take care of yourself and to do the things that you'll need to do. No matter if you're the best team in the league or you're the worst team in the league, you'll still need to you know, get your routines right. You'll still need to prepare your team. You'll still need to talk to them after the game. You'll still need to you know, deal with athletes that are having problems. You'll still need to manage balancing your own personal life with all of that stuff. So, uh, and then I think maybe finally to finish on this point about young coaches is it's slow down you know because it's uh it's a long road and you don't be, you don't need to be in a rush yeah i'd love to ask you about that what was the moment in your life where you're like yo i have to slow down and maybe enjoy this a little bit more probably wasn't very long ago and i'm probably still having to remind myself about it i don't know if i can point to a single event but the birth of my son uh was what i was like whoa you know this is like i don't even i don't have any words i don't have any words to describe that experience but it's certainly i would say in the last five years i've changed dramatically in my approach to life and i'm still trying to figure all that stuff out i haven't in any way affected any element of my life in terms of being a father or a coach or a man a brother a son or any of that but um i've certainly that that event and, and my kids you know they do they do really teach you to slow down you know little kids are not in a rush they they really if you if you will allow them they will sort of force you to be with them in the moment and 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 you can't speed it up you, you know you can't like my daughter is always asking me to play with her, like make believe with some kind of toys or something. And it's like, it's really hard because as an adult, you're thinking about all the things that you want to do, thinking about going to get a cup of coffee, thinking about, you know, when are we going to eat or I've got some work to do over there, or maybe we should go out. And, and, she, and she doesn't want to hear any of that. She just want to play with the toys. And it's, it's uh, that. So the last few years, and um, probably those events, the birth of my daughter and, and son have been, big reminders to uh, appreciate what I have and, and try to slow down. Um, so yeah, th those are probably the things which have been the biggest reminders for me. Yeah. With the young coaches, how do you think we can start to maybe strip away some of these outer purposes and get to more of the core purpose of what we're trying to do? More of the, what did you say? The core purpose. Like we've got all these things, like you said, the shiny object syndrome where mm. we get distracted and, you know, that might be an outer purpose that in that moment, maybe we feel aligned to, but it's getting to the core of, oh man, this is helping me feel fulfilled. Like this is really it for me. I, I think ultimately it, it will be for us to try to connect with them a little bit more, make them feel heard, create um, avenues and 
opportunities for collaboration and connection. So, you know, one of the great things about something like what we're doing right now is, you know, you're, you're way over there and I'm over here and we find a time to be able to talk and share ideas. And, you know, we, we learn things from each other. I think it starts with people that want to share open-mindedness, want to share um, their truths and want to connect with the younger coaches instead of seeing them as a threat or um, as, you know, people who don't know what they're doing. That, that starts like that. And, and you know, they're, young coaches are going to be pushing the envelope. They're going to be wanting to try to change everything that all the old guys have been doing because it's all outdated and uh, it doesn't work anymore and they got all the new ideas. Um, and that's part of their role. But I think one of the experiences that I've had as a young coach when I was younger is, I don't know if I connected with, with a lot of the older guys that were involved in the game. Kind of had to you know, do a lot of this myself, which is fine. But I think it would be really good if we, as, as I approach you know, a bit more of an elder statesman um, in my community as a basketball coach, is you know to reach out to those guys and put on whether it be zoom calls or in-person events or meetings where we can share ideas and or even things like inviting guys to practice and attending their practices and their games and as i said when i was 23 or something Brynja, you know was telling me to meditate and i was like what but you know that 10 10 12 years later that is a massive part of my life so you know that was one thing he always said to me is about the players is these guys don't realize they they just don't know you know but just give them time you know they they may not thank you in the middle of the season when you're all over them and and they hate your gut he he's had guys 5 6 10 years later come back tears in their eyes thanking them for uh, the experiences that they had so you know you have to trust a little bit that the ideas and the, the the values that you share are are honest and and true so you know when people react to them in the moment they doesn't really matter because once the seed is sown then um it, it will flower at some point i want to shift gears for a second and i want to go to learning more about your process for how you problem solve how you work through situations so the first okay. one i want to ask you about is if a player or coach came to you and they had a player for you to work with what would be your process for trying to help this player get better uh if i didn't know them then i would be trying to find out as much as possible uh about them so we do we could do that in a number of ways depends on the situation but i would ask a bunch of questions you know who are they what are they doing why are they doing it where are they headed try to understand kind of at what point are they in their in their their life as a player you know is it something that they really want and they have some kind of goals in front of them or they just have no idea and they like playing or or something in, in the middle if i could see them play in in competition would be would be great and then i would probably try to take them through some kind of assessment of skills and and competencies and i would have them evaluate themselves as well in a bunch of competencies that that you know if we were going to work together uh, i would like to try to start with a starting point of where do they see themselves uh, what do i observe and what do some of our tests show and and the, and things like that and then we could start to build a plan to, you know, okay, is there anything that you really want to achieve? Then we can work towards that. Or maybe we need to work work on 
you figuring out what it is that you want from the game and then we can put an action plan in place and start to work towards that um, together. What if the parent also tells you that this is a player that has low confidence? Now, what are you thinking about? Yeah, I mean, I hear that a lot, actually. And, and I think for the most part, it's true. But, uh, you know, COVID has certainly had something to do with that where I live now. A lot of kids weren't, they missed the whole season of everything so some of the social interaction that you get the competition the 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 schedule you know the 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 physical aspect of the game all those things were taken away so um a lot was taken away in in those 18 months or so and now uh, the kids that i'm working with 14 15 16 year old kids they're just a little bit young you know in, in terms of their maturation because they haven't had some of the time that they would have had uh, had everything been normal so a lot of people put that down to confidence and and maybe it is uh, I certainly see a lot of kids struggling with public speaking even in front of their teammate and uh, expressing themselves showing emotion uh, recognizing what those emotions are and and being able to uh, move forwards with those and so, you know, th- those are things which we try to work on with the kids in, in the team environment. And one of those ways is to lead by example. And sometimes I'm going to be emotional and sometimes I'm going to be able to recognize my emotions and, and go through it whilst we're in the room. And the wins and the losses really help with that. I think they, they I, I like to try to share with the kids what I'm going through, uh, you know, what kind of emotions are arising within me. And do I need to do anything with that? Or what will I do about that? Uh, I think that's one way that you can really uh, help uh, kids develop that stuff. And so if they come and they say that, uh, we, we got to try to find out, you know, what, what does that really mean? You know, what, what do you mean they're not confident? Do you mean that they're not confident to score the ball? Do you mean that they're not confident in any of their abilities? I mean, it, it's a wide range of, issues that can be that can manifest which people say is a lack of confidence so trying to understand you know who is that person what is this manifestation of lack of confidence really about what what how does it show and then um, we can start to look at how to deal with it and uh, you know there's no cookie cutter for that one I think you you've got to take individuals as they are and as much time as you have and the skills that you have to help them get through those times that might be coaching them on the floor in a particular way whether it be you know taking time to help them understand that they can be successful might be pushing them a little bit harder than they want to be pushed or it might be sitting in the room and going through some kind of exercises where you know they speak in front of four or five people and have to say something which is important to them uh, because kids have a real hard time with that. Uh, and, and those are skills which I don't care what you say. If a kid is learning how to speak in front of four or five kids in a classroom and he, and he, and he starts to get really good at it, then that's going to translate onto the basketball court. You know, he's going to start to understand that he can speak and others will listen. So, you know, there's leadership right there. So, yeah, it's, uh, I would say it's, it's about the individual. It's about under, listening to, to what they say and how they say it and, 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 and then finding out as much as possible before we try to put in a plan of action. And I heard, I heard um, Morgan Freeman say in an interview that if you are lacking in confidence, God will not provide you with confidence. 
God will provide you with situations where you have the opportunity to practice confidence. So mm -hmm. sometimes it's not necessarily about just giving confidence to somebody. It's putting them in situations where success and failure are real uh, possible outcomes and experiencing both and then learning how to deal with uh, whichever one turns it out, you know, because that's, that's confidence right there is belief that you can do it and also the ability to deal with loss and failure when it arises. You've touched on so many great points, coach. I want to ask you, how do you develop resilience in your players? I think I just coach them really hard. I mean, you know, I, I do do that. And, uh, and I have to push myself sometimes to do that because sometimes that means being harder on, on other people than you would like to be because it might hurt them in some way in the moment. You know, they might feel that you are punishing them for, for something when really you're just trying to see if they can push through some self-inflicted limitations. Um, uh, so, you know, that's, that's quite a draining emotional process is to push kids much harder than they, they will push themselves because I don't think they're getting that from many different places. And, uh, but then, you know, you need to have the flip side as well. You need to be able to, 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 to speak to kids and, and listen to them uh, in moments where when you're not pushing or, or whether that be immediately after or at another time. So I think that's one way where you develop resilience is you push the players to points where they might feel failure, where they might feel uh, that they don't want to do it or that they feel that they can't keep up. Um, and, um, and then you have to design your environment so that they, are, they, they can then touch success and they can uh, start to figure things out for themselves. Like you can't just drop kids in the deep end all the time and, and let them drown like you, you, they have to be able to develop skills and that's really our jobs is to help them develop the skills that they can then deal with those more difficult situations so so that's a, a big one and and then you know i think that the season if kids are playing at the appropriate level the season will provide many opportunities for developing resilience you know one of my teams that i'm coaching right now is in a tough spot and uh We've had we had we had quite a lot of success in the early part of the season, and now we're we're having some hard times. And this is a practice in resilience. You know, it's a practice in getting up. An old saying: It doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down. What's important is can you keep getting up? And that is building the skill of resilience. The one situation that comes up a lot for coaches is there's specific players that are asking or requesting more time and touches. And, and maybe the coach thinks like, oh man, like I just don't know if they're ready or capable. And they feel like their perception, the player's perception is off from the reality of the situation. What would your advice be to a coach that's maybe facing or working with a player in this situation? This problem always comes up and you always have kids that feel that they they should be playing more that they should be scoring more or getting more touches or being more involved and probably as a you know coaching this team sport that we do where there are 12 players on the roster and five on the court at one time and you're trying to win the game there's going to be moments when that actually happens you know somebody who deserves more should get it um, and doesn't but then there are many cases where uh, the, the, the the situation that you point out. Um, and in that case, I think a few different things that you need to do, or these are what, this is what I do anyway. First of all, 
allow space for the person to express themselves, to speak their, their opinion, their truth, and listen to them. I think that that's like the most important thing is in, in any team or group environment is that everybody feels that they can speak, that they can be heard, and that people care about them. Uh, and if we have that, then a lot of these problems, they, they can become. Um, and so that's the first thing. That also allows you to be able to speak your truth and be honest, um, because sometimes that's all it takes is uh, somebody comes to you and say they want more minutes and then you listen to them and you listen to what they say and you're able to say, well, this is what happens and this is how it goes. It might be an age thing. It might be uh, that they're just not ready and you've got to articulate articulate that in a way where they are not like completely beaten down but they hear the truth because sometimes i think kids do get a bit messages sugar-coated for them in our, in our culture at the moment it seems to be not to be too hard on people but to be super super supportive and encouraging and all this stuff but too much encouraging encouragement creates a false reality so there has to be a balance and I think the, the other thing is having had all that in mind, right? You, you, you listen and you have open and honest uh, communication. Then you, if you've got backup, then that's going to help you to help them see. And, and you can use backup in the way of um, statistics and video are, you know, two uses of that. And video can be of the games and of the practices um, and, and so that is a way that you can show to players, okay, here are the things which we as a group have decided that we want to be really good at, or we need to be good at to win the game. And here are some instances where you're not giving us what we need, or you're not doing what you need to be doing to earn the minutes that you're asking for. And so if you could do that, then we can have another conversation. And um, n never to, I don't, I just don't think there's ever really a point in going, well, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, and you're not doing that, and here's the video, so, you know, go back to the bench. Like, this is not the way, uh, for me at least. You know, I want to try to be open, honest, uh, communicative, and, um, you know, but, but, but ultimately honest. So I would be doing it like that. And then you just got to try to find different ways of communicating, you know, because, I mean, I've had a player on my team this year who's had this struggle and it's not even been clear whether he really wants, he, he thinks that he deserves more minutes or more touches. He's just super sad and frustrated that he's not out there. And it, the, the actual basketball experience for him has not been a positive one. And then we opened up a space where we could sit in the classroom and talk about our, our, our situations and our future wants and needs and goals and he has, he has come out of himself and really engaged in that process. And I feel like that's kind of moved him forwards on the basketball court a little bit. And it's helped me to understand more about him. And the more that you understand about other people, the, the better your relationship can be. And then the easier it is for people to be able to speak their mind and have disagreements and, and move forwards. What do you think the balance is then between, you know, being open and having maybe a dialogue with your players but also standing strong in your vision for how you see the season going and not getting too influenced by, it could be the players, it also could be your assistant coaches. So what do you think that relationship's like? How do you manage yeah, that? I mean, it is, well, be clear about 
the direction and make sure that you take care of um, everybody being open and clear about that from the beginning. That would really help you. You know, if you set if you set out your expectations and you do that, you know, whether they need to be only your expectations or your expectations plus the the group's expectations, um, probably need to do that separately. Uh, with the players and then with the coaches and make sure that roles are defined. I mean, those are like some of the big things which are going to help you later on when people start saying, I want this and I want that and I'm not getting it. Well, you know, this is what we're doing and this is where we're headed and these are the expectations and that isn't going to change, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm here to support you in, in reaching your personal goals and you helping the team and, and as we said from the beginning, these are the things that need done and let's go do them. That process also needs to be reviewed. So you need to, you know, if you can have good people around you that can help you to review the things that you said and make sure that you still believe them uh, so that you can continue to stand behind those things. I think that's also important. And then, you know, like I think about my kids, sometimes they want stuff or I want them to do stuff. And we explain it to them and say like this is what we're going to do now and they find every way under the sun not to do it or to go a different way and at some point you have to say here's the expectation here's what we're doing and that is it okay and then you have to stop you know you can't because the more you engage in this is what i want this is what you want and they go yeah but yeah but what about this and what if i do that and what if we do it this way you, if you keep engaging in it, you, Jordan Peterson said this, you'll get moved like a little, an, a half an inch, you know, really slowly. And then you'll get moved half, another half inch. And then you'll get, and all of a sudden you'll, you'll realize that you're six feet back already. And so you've got to be very careful with that because everybody has the stuff that they want from an individual point of view. And they, some of them will fight really hard to get that. And in a way, you know, as the coach of like young boys and young men, you kind of want to bring that out in people. You want, you want to make sure people are standing up for themselves. But you, you also have to be an example of that, like making sure that any expectations or any values that you uh, hold to be important to you, that you stand behind them. And at some point you say, okay, I'm not talking about this anymore because uh, I've said everything I need to say and now I need to move on. A player meets with you and they share that they have some mental health struggles. How do you help them? You know, what are things that you're thinking about? Yeah, this has happened to me uh, on two significant occasions. Again, I mean, it's a similar message to some of the other things that we've talked about. I mean, first of all, you know, listening is, is, a, is a very difficult and important skill. Trying to, you know, listen to, to not only what people are saying, but what are, is the meaning behind the words? There is a process for this, uh, which I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to remember to uh, to tell you right now. But you know, recognizing what somebody says, the feeling that is attached to that, and the the, the request, like the need that they have behind all of that. You know, what do they need, and what are the emotions that they're experiencing? Trying to, you know, when people tell you things trying to rephrase it back to them and try to understand, you know, you're, you're feeling this because this has happened and what you need is this. Uh, it can help people to um, organize and structure a little bit, you know, the, the thoughts and feelings that they might be experiencing. I mean, if somebody was to come to me, which, which, you know, has happened 
and and tell me what they're going through i think that's they've already made a pretty big step and it's wonderful that they would confide in you uh the kind of personal information like this so the first thing is to be grateful that they would do that and then like i said listen and uh, not to be too quick to offer too much advice or or help or anything like that it's just to be the person that they they wanted you to be in the first place which is somebody to to come and confide in um and um you know, and then, and then you have to really take it on a case-by-case -case basis. I mean, I'm not a psychologist, a psychotherapist or anything like that. I don't have a lot of professional um, qualifications in areas of uh, mental health, but I, I am somebody who certainly the kids that I coach, they connect with in a different way than they connect with their friends, their teachers and their parents. So I'll just do whatever I can to help them. And sometimes that means letting them know that some of the things that is going on in our world that they're involved in like in the basketball practices in the games is because of this and you're actually you know just to reassure them that you're actually doing really well here but if you don't want to be a part of this right now and you need to take a load off then that's okay you know i'll i'll call you tomorrow and i'll be there for you whatever it is that you need right now we're here for you like not i think one of the things that we're able to do these days probably better than 10 or 20, 30 years ago is understand that people are going through a lot of difficult emotions and difficult situations and everybody's different. And, you know, you can't just get through it. You know, you just, you just can't sometimes. And sometimes people need space and they need time and they need to know that you will be there for them. And that's maybe all they need from somebody like me. Um, but if there is anything else that I can do, then we'll try to figure out what it is. So here's another situation for you, coach. Your best player is struggling in big moments. They're worrying about future outcomes or maybe, you know, they're thinking about past trauma in big moments. How do you help them play in the moment, play present, step into their greatness? Well, we, we could, you know, if we're talking about an individual player, I think writing is a good way to start you know, is to write about what you're experiencing in these moments that is causing you to be nervous or anxious or uh, worried, write as much as you can about that. You know, what is the situation? What is happening in the game? What did you go through? What were you thinking? And what was the result? And how would you like that to go? You could, you could write out those two situations. And, you know, if it's a case of being too excited being too um you know the heartbeat to it being too fast and too nervous and too much energy then um we might we might look at a couple of practices that they could do very quickly uh, during a timeout or in 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 the the breaks in the game where they can recenter you know so um you know during a timeout you might have a, a kid do the, um box breathing where they inhale for a few seconds they hold for a few seconds they exhale for a few seconds and they hold for a few seconds so you could do that on a count of four or a count of five or a count of six so four 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 and that is a you know that is a practice which can very quickly one or two or three rounds of that can help somebody to kind of recenter and they have to concentrate on the count so you know you 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 can lose some of the exterior external 
pressure, you know, the crowd watching and the time and the score can melt away just a little bit. Um, and the better you get at that, then you know, the more effective you can be in those kind of pressure moments. Or, I mean, um, Pit Nyuk Han is uh, somebody who I've been reading a little bit lately who focus, who, who speaks about mindfulness meditation. And he just says very simply to pay attention to one breath in and one breath out. And when you're doing that, to say to yourself, I am breathing in for the, for the length of the breath, and then I am breathing out. And, and he, he sometimes adds a couple of different things to that, which is, you know, I am breathing in, I'm training myself, I am breathing out and training myself, you know, just something which immediately, if you pay attention to that, and you, you focus inward, and you, and you watch the, the air as it comes in, the breath as it comes in, and you watch it, it's impossible to, to remember all of the pressure, you know, it's, it will, it will melt away very quickly. And, you know, you, you asked that question about meditation um, earlier, like all these kind of different practices, I think are, that people should at least look at them, you know, and just have a look at ways of connecting more with what is happening in your body. One of the things to help you to not react negatively to emotion that comes up in the body is to recognize it for what it is. You know, when emotion rises in the body, whether that be nerves or uh, anxiety or uh, energy, you know, just a rush of energy about well, what's going to happen if we lose the game and I'm going to be the person that, you know, cost us the game um, is to stop and say, okay, what emotions am I, am I experiencing right now? as I breathe in and as I breathe out. And, and then, you know, that's very hard to do in a game, but there are one of the great things about basketball is there are many breaks in the game. So, you know, during a free throw or a timeout or a referee calling a foul or, you know, uh, some other kind of stoppage in the game where there are a few seconds. Um, I, I, I be honest, I mean, I'm, I've been back in England six months now and sort of kind of hit the ground running with the, with the teams and kids that I've, uh, I've got, so we haven't gotten into very deep with a lot of the kids on these kind of things, but, and it takes a lot of time. You know, you can't just, you can't just present these ideas and people take them because a lot of them are a little bit esoteric and uh, they're, they're very different to what they might've heard before. So you have to build up the trust first in who you are and what you're doing and the way that you're helping people. And then when somebody comes to you with this problem or it happens during the performances, then after you've got a good relationship, you might say, Hey, I, you know, th why don't we try this? And then you've got to, you've got to find ways to, tr to practice that in the games, but also in the practices, you know, there are many ways to uh, almost fabricate um, kind of pressure situations. If you can play situation games where you last two minutes or you play, you know, put the ball up and once one team has scored six points, then there's eight seconds left on the clock and play whatever the score is at that moment. Um, you give yourself opportunities to um, kind of re-experience those moments and then practice uh, some kind of technique which might be able to bring you just back into the body, back into the moment, um, and to remember that you know, life is beautiful and this is a great experience, you know, and that's when when you watch Robert Ori hit all those big shots, man, I mean, he must have been, he must have been doing something like that, man, because he was cool as a cucumber and that's kind of what, what you want to see in somebody just 
really enjoying themselves in massive moments just to catch the ball and shoot the ball. And if it goes in, it goes in. And if it doesn't go in, then, you know, we'll just wake up tomorrow and get back to work, chop wood and carry water. The one thing that you said that I really loved was the term centering yourself. And I want to ask you about that. And I wanted to give you a, a situation. So I have a lot of friends that are, you know, young coaches, they're in entry level positions. And some of these guys are in the NBA. And they tell me that they have a hard time, you know, navigating some of these situations of, of staying centered, you know, specifically with, you know, the power games that people play, and the huge workloads, all, all that kind of stuff that comes with pro basketball. I just want to see if you could give your opinion on that for how you can stay true to yourself, yet continue to drive forward with your ambition. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say that's easy. Um, there are certain jobs. I mean, I would imagine coaching in the NBA to be one of those areas where people feel like they've got to give more and more and more and more of themselves to get ahead, you know, and, and, and take a spot from somebody else. Uh, because if they don't do the work, then someone else is coming. And that, you know, that's uh, a cultural uh, norm almost in our, um, in our sport that you've got to work super hard and you've got to work harder than everybody else. Otherwise, someone's taking your spot. And, um, you know, in some way that is true. But, uh, but, you know, that is a recipe for burnout and for unhappiness, ultimately. And so I think it's most important that people set their boundaries and um, have a look at what is important to them and re also recognize that you, you can't give anything if you're not healthy. Like, you, you know, you, you can't be a great coach and work a 72-game schedule or an 82-game schedule and then the playoffs if your health is... Is, is below par because you're not going to be able to show up every day and lead your troops. You're just not going to be able to. At some point, you're going to collapse. And the, the message that you're likely giving your athletes is we, we got we to gotta peak at the right time. You know, so you've got to peak at the right time as well. And if that means that, first of all, that might mean understanding what are your boundaries? Like, are you going to work until midnight every night? Are you going to accept emails at 1 a.m. in the morning and then reply to them? Are you going to be the person that just does everything that is asked of them? Or are there certain things which you will not do uh, because you're taking care of yourself and you're prepared to say no and understand that culturally, maybe, maybe somebody does beat you for that job because they want it more than you. Well, okay, but what, what is important to you needs always to be important to you, you know, because if, if the organization that you're working in values people that work themselves to death, then the people that work themselves to death will get the best positions. Maybe that organization is not the one that you really want to be in. And, and actually, you need to find the organization that values people over productivity and recognizes that we're going to we're going to have people that support other people there are going to be boundaries in our work and we're going to respect those so that we can bring the best out of each other now that doesn't help people that are young and trying to cut their teeth and you know accepting a job so that they can try to get there but i think you know halfway through this we were talking about how do we connect with younger coaches how do we you know help them and, and you know this is just one of those things to to plant the seed is you know recognize your value 
and do your work, study your craft, but love yourself, you know, love yourself as well, because if you don't, then nobody will. Uh, and, 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 and whatever it is that you have inside that you want to give to your club or your team or, or your organization, make sure you protect it because no one wants you at 50% or 40%. You know, they want the best of you. And um, if they don't recognize that, then you start to be the change that you want to see. And uh, you will find your way. I, I think that's important. You know, when you when you ask about slowing down and and, uh, you know, when do you recognize that? I mean, if I, I wish I would have recognized that a long time ago and I wish I could recognize it even in in my daily life now, because sometimes I get caught, you know, pushing and pushing and pushing, trying to do everything at once when really, you know, things will happen when they're going to happen on, on schedule for me. There are no mistakes. This is our podcast, man. This is it. We've <laughs> done it. I want to just kind of open up the floor to you. If you have any final thoughts, if, if people want to work with you, where they can find you. Uh, I want to ask you, uh, should people meditate? <laughs> You're going to throw it back on me like that, coach. Come on, man. Yeah. Come on. Man. Yeah. Come on, man. Give your thoughts. You said something that I really resonated with was that people have to find their way. You know, I have to slow down and recognize what's right for me. And it's one thing for me to say it. But it's, it's like this self-discovery. It's a process that you figure out what works for you. And I think if you can kind of lean into that and you can get quiet and find stillness in different ways, mm-hmm. you'll know the answers. So if it's about meditating or, or whatever else, you'll figure it out. Beautiful answer, man. Thank you, man. That's, that's very helpful for me as well. Uh, so if people want to uh, see what I'm doing or reach me, uh, Instagram, Kairos underscore performance uh, is my my handle there, kairos-performance.com is my website. Um, and so those are the two places which uh, I'm on probably the most at the moment. And, uh, you know, just send me a message if you want. Um, what is it? Kairos-performance. Sorry, head coach at kairos-performance.com is my email address if you want to send me a message um, and ask any questions. And, um, you know, really, really thankful for you to... Uh, reach out to me and and you know ask all the the questions that you asked because you know those kind of questions are from somebody who's really thinking about not just uh, you know how to run plays and win games it's somebody who's interested in finding value in the profession and helping people to uh, find meaning in their lives so great experience for me to have to think about uh, my answers to those kind of questions and then also hear you know one of your responses